0: Welcome to Valley Talk. I'm your host, Heather Stark. You know, we get into a lot of political stuff and and conversations and uh, interview a lot of folks uh, who are in the uh, political arena here on this show. And I usually like to give them a pretty hard time. But we have somebody here today that I'm, I'm not going to give a really hard time to because I find it so fascinating what he's involved with. Welcome, Keaton Ems.
1: Thanks, Heather. Uh, you know, if you want to give me a hard time, that's, that's just fine. I, I can take it. <laughs> it is Sunday evening for us, and, and I would like to coast as much as possible. <laughs> OK.
0: Well, and, and the reason that I, I prefaced it that way is, is because I do usually like to uh, question And one of my things is that I do not like the typical politician answer, which is I ask you a question about what color is the sky and you start talking about how important water is and Mm -hmm. assume that that's the answer to my question. So I tend to drill right back uh, when I get that. But I'm not uh, in our brief conversation we had before the show. I'm not getting the sense that that's what you do. You will directly answer my question. So in that regard, you have my my great respect. Keaton is here because he is with the Greater Idaho movement. And I'm sure most people have heard about that because in the last week or so it has gotten a a bit of of press. The greater Idaho movement wants to incorporate areas in southern Washington and in Oregon. Am I correct, Keaton?
1: Um, For the most part, I I would say you know, we've had we've had outreach from southeastern counties in Washington and northeastern counties from California as well. Uh, but you know, first things first, we're going to move Oregon's border for greater Idaho. We're going to bring try and bring the border to encompass the eastern counties and southern counties of Oregon. And, yeah, you know, that's the first place to start. And then you know, if we can get there, we'll, we'll add Washington counties and we'll add California counties as well.
0: Well, that would basically mean that Idaho would have a panhandle, if you will, that would stretch west throughout most of Southern Oregon all the way over to the coast. Is that right?
1: Right. Um, northwest, or if, if you like looked at Oregon as a square and uh, you took the, the right half and the right bottom half, uh, those three quarters would become part of Idaho. And then the northwest corner of Oregon, which... Uh, geographically we know as the Willamette Valley. Uh, It's west of the Cascades and it's basically from Eugene and Lane County north up to Astoria. Uh, That would remain as Oregon. Mm -hmm. That that part of Oregon also holds 79 to 80% of the state's
0: population. Really? Yes. Wow, I didn't realize that.
1: Yeah, our our proposal with the eastern half of the state and the southern half of the state of Oregon is only about eight hundred and sixty thousand people on three quarters of the land. Mm. Very low popula- uh, population density.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's a good thing. I, I you know, it, it it strikes me that you know whenever we talk about economic growth, we talk about more people, more industry, more buildings, more homes. Um, and economic growth is a good thing. We all want to be able to grow economically. It's kind of like making a profit. That's not evil. I hope to do it myself one day. Um, but it has a tendency to destroy things that are already in existence when that happens. And so if we try to incorporate that level of growth everywhere, in the first place, it's pretty much impossible because of climate, etc. But it also destroys a huge Asset a huge chunk of of what we like, and I think one of the things that is so hard for I- I- these urbanized areas to understand is that there are groups of people out here who really do not like or- urbanization. It's it's not the goal to have a high rise, um, even if it did mean you could walk away with a couple million dollars in your pocket. Um, it, is that the thinking here? I mean, is is it? Are you thinking that? okay, if we incorporate all this, then it would be like a city incorporating a, 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 a rural area. It's gonna be places for future growth. Is that what you're thinking with the greater Idaho in, uh, in, in idea of incorporating these extra lands?
1: Uh, sure, that's a nice sentiment. And hopefully you know, we can get some maybe economic growth from uh, you know, different government policies in the jurisdiction that uh, Idaho would provide. Uh, at this point, it's, it's more of a, a, an ask for representation. The, these counties, these rural counties in Southern and Eastern Oregon, um, similar to the ideas of, of you know, what, what the State of Liberty was like, they just want their voices heard. The priorities that come out of Salem uh, in the Oregon State Legislature are priorities led by politicians from Portland, Salem, and Uchi and they put undue um, you know, recourse onto the rural counties that they're, they're, given, they're given rules for things they, they don't really have a need for. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, to, your, to your point of your question of, of expanding and all that stuff, there's not much to expand into. There's a lot of desert, there's a lot of uh, you know, limited resources there, but what limited resources are there, they're constantly hindered from utilizing whether locking up forest land or preventing uh, use of water rights or uh, being able to build or, or expand any market um, or the, the price of, of, you know, fuel uh, getting stuff to market, which constantly has to be funneled into the the Portland metro area to the port of Portland mm-hmm. or to reach any sort of uh, larger, broader market. Um, and that's, that's kind of been the, the, the gist of it is the, the cap and trade issues that have come out of Salem that would would force these communities to pay so much more um, in fuel costs and, and overhead expenses for their businesses. It's just not it's not fair.
0: Well, we're seeing that in Washington state right now. I mean, our legislature is very actively trying to increase and pass legislation that will, for the most part, have a dramatic price increase for gasoline. Um, because they're thinking, oh, okay, everybody can get a fuel efficient car or an electric car or whatever. And nobody, I I haven't heard anyone talking about how much gasoline a tractor uses and how much gasoline a tractor has to have. I haven't heard anybody talking about farm vehicles and the trucks to get produce to market. Um, That's just not included in any of the discussions on gas prices that I've heard. It's all about fuel efficient cars. Yeah. Um, which tells me, okay, I guess a lot of people in Olympia are not operating traffic uh, or uh, tractors, you know? Um, but that's the mentality uh, that you're talking about where everything has, I, I, I have this thing, you know, that, that saying about looking at things through rose colored glasses. I always say we all look at things through our own colored glasses mm-hmm. um, based on our life experiences, what we live, what we know, you know, who we know. That's how we see the world. And it doesn't occur to us that other people are different. Mm-hmm. We we always assume everybody sees things through the same glasses that we're looking at them. But if you've never been on a farm, if you've never uh, had to worry about the price of uh, you know hauling that corn into the market, or where I grew up, tomatoes you know to the market, and it does it, it just doesn't cross your mind. doesn't cross your mind and that's how i see it happening is that what you're talking about for
1: yeah absolutely and and you know you'd be hard pressed to find a a tractor that runs on on gasoline it's usually diesel and so uh in oregon you know they're not just trying to raise the price of fuel gas or diesel or either one of them they're trying to outlaw diesel entirely (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I'm not sure how a lot of, uh, you know, grain or barley or alfalfa or grass seed, you know, Oregon's the largest grass seed producer in the country. Uh, how are we supposed to, you know, basically move our economy around? They want to put these restrictions on on fuel uh, uh, emissions and, and all that stuff. And it's like, well, but you, you want to set a standard for something that for a technology that doesn't exist we can't reach those goals not not just like you know in time but like you just it just can't be done because it doesn't exist and and so it's it's like that um kind of metaphor i think back to like when i was you know my first jobs working something and, and the boss my boss's boss's boss would send down a rule or a new policy that we had to abide by. And it's like, well, you, you have no idea. You're not closing the shop at night. And you have no idea that we only have 15 minutes to get a hundred things done. And now you've added 25 more. You have, you're so you're disconnected from what we have to deal with, you know, why are you, why are you giving them th- these policies that, you know because you want them in Portland to get rid of the emissions downtown to I-5 in Portland in those neighborhoods. Well, we can't we can't get anywhere if if you eliminate all of our fuel. So,
0: we also saw this issue a lot um, year or so ago with well, for several years over water rights and mm. uh, the dams coming down and all of that. Uh, is that a, a similar issue that you're thinking about, where the representation seems to be kind of with blinders on?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of uh, nuance in the in the water rights situations. Um, uh, between tribal lands and uh, kind of the three states that that draw power from from the dams on, along the Columbia uh, I mean there's always going to be kind of conflict around those and and I don't have I don't have the the best answer for you know how to resolve those um, you know we need we need energy we need like we need to diversify where we get it from I'm not you know mystical coal fire plants or all hydroelectric or all geothermal or all wind um, you know, th- there's there is a, a solution but I don't know what it is I don't know who knows what it is um, it, in in our movement it's we are just trying to push forward the moving of the border first and then you know have these negotiations about all the little quirks that and details that would go into all those transfers and stuff
0: yeah one of the things that i have heard uh, commented about the greater or idaho uh, uh, movement is it's just gerrymandering to a larger scale than we've ever seen before
1: uh that's kind of ironic uh because we are already pretty gerrymandered um uh, state you know the um, the Oregon State Legislature is a supermajority, so Democrats control every single office. the, the They control the House, the Senate, um, the Secretary of State, and the Governor's Office. Um, there are maybe a dozen or so uh, representatives from Eastern and Southern Oregon combined, uh, and we have 90 representatives statewide. So... You know, each even, even in the urban areas, there's a finger from every single district reaching into Eugene, reaching into Portland, and then outwards to kind of encompass and gerrymander so that there's just barely a little bit more blue than red in each one of those districts. Um, just enough been, to
0: carry all the decisions.
1: Yeah, it's enough. Yeah, so for the last two years, Oregon legislature has operated and, and resulted in a um, basically a boycott walkout um, we have a, a constitutional demand for quorum for any vote to be made. So all uh, 60 uh, representatives need to be on the floor and all 30 senators need to be on the floor for any vote to take place. And so last two years, the Republicans have led a walkout to deny quorum so no bills can be voted on. And it, it's, you know, it's a big deal because the governor sends the, the state troopers after him and they're technically breaking the law and they have to flee the state. Um, and that's been their only tool to, to legislate. And that's, that's not a sustainable policy. Um, and, and that's another one of those big impetuses, one of the big reasons why we want to, to move the border is because you know, Idaho is maybe 1.6, 1.8 million people. And that government, that legislature responds to a more rural populace, generally speaking similar values, similar economies, similar demographics to rural Oregon, Southern and Eastern counties. Same with uh, Eastern Washington, same with Northeastern California. They just want representation from a government that has the same priorities. What, what happens in Seattle and what happens in Portland is very different than what happens elsewhere in their states.
0: Yes. And I think that uh, people have been recognizing that for a long time. And I know in Washington, I speak with a lot of people who, you know, cause I'm not downtown Seattle. I'm not urban um, oriented at all. Um, I mean, I'm because of the growth here, I'm, I'm living in a more urban environment than I ever, ever, ever have lived in before in my life. Um, and I see the almost the preservation of uh, rural lifestyles as being um, at risk. Uh, you know, not just the farmlands, not just the, you know, natural habitats, et cetera, but just that uh, to me, I I see it as a very different lifestyle, very different sets of priorities, very different sets of uh, ways of living. Um, And it, it, again, this is to me, uh, it is just kind of being absorbed um, by that, that urban mentality where everything has to be bigger, everything has to be faster and, and more dense and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so is this, this is the whole purpose behind this movement is better representation for the population that sees itself as different from the urban area. Am I saying that correctly?
1: I, I would absolutely agree with that. This. You know, we get the we get the surface level interpretation that, oh, these are all the conservative redneck hick counties trying to, like, go be in Trump land. And that is, you know, I would say a mischaracterization at best. There are plenty of Democrats that we appeal to. There are plenty of Republicans that we appeal to. More so, there's a lot of non-affiliated voters, people who, you know, because the because of the shift of the Overton window of the political landscape in the left and right you know, 20, 30 years ago, they were Democrats, but now just because the way the politics in Oregon has shifted so far to the left, now they're probably considered a Republican or moderate, but their personality has stayed the same that they are fiercely independent and they, you know, want their home and their community, you know, kind of left alone. They want to be left alone. So they're kind of the Democrats of old, moderates of today. Uh, And as far as, you know, actual registered Democrats, registered Republicans, there are plenty of Democrats in, in these rural counties and you know, elected uh, Democrat representatives that are kind of left out of their own caucus to, to say the least. Um, you know, all the, pri- or all the you know, victories and, and spoils of war that come from legislation out of Salem goes back to the urban centers. So even the rural Democrats and rural uh, Democrats that are elected are neglected and their, their communities are, are thrown by the wayside too as kind of an afterthought. Uh, and to me, that's, that's even more of a reason why we should do this because, you know, I don't blame the urban Democrats, the urban political leaders, Kate, Governor Kate Brown and, and uh, her administration for fulfilling that utilitarian uh, philosophy of doing the most good for the most amount of people that lecture like i said earlier 860,000 people give or take in 3 quarters of the landmass eastern and southern oregon that's about 3.4 3.5 million people left over in between portland metro eugene and Salem. that you know they they're doing the best that they can for the most amount of people and i respect that and i have no problem with that that's why we're just asking to take you know this one-fifth of the population and add it to a, a, a government that's just twice as big as us, because they deal with the similar priorities and the similar kind of legislation and, and, and policies that we need as rural organizations.
0: So if this should occur, what you're saying is, is that this geographic revision would basically even out Rural versus urban, as opposed to being urban overwhelming rural, because of the numbers and the way they line up right now.
1: Right. Yeah. So, so eastern Oregon contains the one Republican congressional delegate that Oregon sends to Congress, and that would basically become part of Idaho's delegation mm-hmm. um, from Eugene to Salem to Portland. Uh, that would remain you know, Oregon, Northwest Oregon, new, the new Oregon. And they would still be a, a state bigger in population than what we're proposing uh, would come great, become greater Idaho. Still the state of Idaho, um, but for semantic terms we call greater Idaho. Uh, it would be kind of left to their own devices, people who find representation and, and get what, what they want.
0: Well, I've learned a lot about this. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, I'm going to ask even more questions. Um, Mainly, who is behind this? Who are some of the individuals? Are there any major politicians that, that are behind this? And I I think I I can probably guess the answer to that, but I'm going to ask you anyway, because I might be surprised. And uh, we're going to ask a few more questions about where this idea came from, because I think I think Washington may have stimulated a little thinking along here, but I might be wrong on that, too. You're listening to Valley Talk. I'm Heather Stark. With me is Keaton Ems, who is with the Greater Idaho Organization, and he is also a Christmas tree farmer from Clackamas County, Oregon. We're going to talk with him uh, when we come back and uh, learn more about the greater Idaho movement. You're listening to Valley 104.9, your station for Valley talk and information.
2: Join us for Northwest Phenomenon Sunday nights at 7 p.m. right here on Valley 104.9 as we cover topics from paranormal activity, conspiracy theories, and more. If you have a story you would like to share, email me, mario at northwestphenomenon.com. We'll see you Sunday nights at 7 p.m. right here on Valley 104.9. Northwest Phenomenon. Tune in on Saturday evenings when Valley 104.9 is all about the oldies. Things get going at 5.30 p.m. with forgotten hits of the 60s where host Steve Arthur spins up obscure singles and one-hit wonders. Then from 6 to 9, it's the Saturday Night Oldies Show with the Valley's own Terry Spring. Terry busts out his huge collection of 45s from the 50s, 60s, and 70s and spins them every week. It's a double dose of the oldies every Saturday starting at 5.30 p.m.
1: Remember to join us at 1 p.m. on Sunday for Animal Radio. Animal Radio is America's most listened to pet show. The nearly two-hour celebration of our pets is hosted by veterinaire talent Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. So tune in 1 p.m. Sunday, Animal Radio.
0: Immerse yourself in the worlds of community media, sound, podcasting, and audio on Radio Survivor, airing on Wednesday nights from 6 to 7 p.m. here on Valley 104.9 FM. Welcome back to Valley Talk. I'm your host, Heather Stark. With me is guest Keaton Ems. He is from Clackamas County, Oregon. He's a Christmas tree farmer. He's a young man, at least by my standards. And he's very uh, knowledgeable, I think, about uh, an organization called greateridaho.org. Now, greateridaho.org, as he has explained to us, is a movement to try to expand Idaho to incorporate most of eastern and southern Oregon all the way to the ocean. Is that right, Keaton?
1: That's correct. Uh, all the way to Coos and Curry County along the mm. eastern or along the, the southern coast of, yeah. of Oregon.
0: Now, does or- is Oregon prepared um, for the expense of, of operating all of that geography? Is Idaho, who, who's behind this movement? Are the people in Idaho behind it? I mean, do you have support there from uh, government levels or well, uh, last, last week on Monday, we testified before
1: um, a joint uh, legislative committee with um, many of the Idaho legislators who are very interested in hearing what, what we have to say. We don't have any direct uh, you know, financial support or uh, you know, government involvement from, from Idaho. They have been just very curious to hear what we have to say, and, and we are in, in good talks with them. Uh, we've had public support from from current Governor uh, Brad Little. Uh, yes, Brad, uh, and he's he's uh, ex- expressed a lot of interest in having us. Um, for us internally, we we are grassroots from Oregon. Um, our our president Mike McCarter um, has you know kind of grown this and and started these little. Um, brush fires, you know, metaphorically speaking, in, in all the counties, we have a, a system of county captains and, and county volunteers, uh, either collecting signatures or hosting meet and greet kind of rallies. Um, you know, we have an events page on our website where, where we keep all those events posted. And um, we even have a, a former Speaker of the House, Mark Simmons, uh, and his involvement. He's from Union County uh, former Speaker of the House in the late 90s, early two, 2000s, and he was there last Monday uh, testifying uh, before the joint committee um, expressing, you know, some of the reasons why we, we want this to take place.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, because it's not cheap. I mean, if Idaho suddenly inherited half of a state of, a, of another state, That means that now Idaho has to make sure that the roads are repaired and the buildings are maintained and the insurance is paid and the employees are paid and all that kind of stuff. So it's no small thing. It's not like just a little gift that we can hand you and look at this, this is all benefit. It comes with a cost as well. Um, Have you addressed that particular issue?
1: That is a a great question. Um, I don't think it's anything that's not uh, surmountable It is a it is a thing that has so many details um, involved that we don't even really want to expend bandwidth on or or energy on that uh, because we're just trying to get the consensus from from the counties whether or not they want to entertain the idea or even push for us to go there. Um, I I have spoken to a a few county commissioners who have expressed the same question like who's going to pay for stuff? Where is this stuff going to come from? Well we're still going to be paying taxes. They're going to be in Idaho's, uh, you know, tax bracket. Um, and the way that they handle the roads is probably going to just come over and, and be expressed over here. Um, I, I don't have specific details on, on what, what, you know, what's the payment structure for, mm-hmm. uh, Idaho to cover all those things. Um, and that is a, a question that we would, you know, have the delegation of experts, um, you know, when we get to the position of, of voting on a referendum and mandating, uh, a delegation from Oregon and Idaho meet to move the border. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a, that is a detail so far down the road. It's, I mean, it's on the horizon, but we're, you know, we're, we're, we're one step at a time, uh, you know, none of us are really paid. Uh, we're you know we're kind of reimbursed for for supplies as we have minor donors come in, but yeah, there's there's no specific details that I can provide on that.
0: Yeah, well, and it's early for that. But I, I, I was envisioning you. You want to make sure you don't have a situation where you get everybody all revved up. Yeah, let's do this. We're all going to vote for it. And then Idaho, Idaho goes, no, no, we can't afford this. <laughs> Take it back. <laughs>
1: so there's a, there's a lot of those like, like details, like you know, minimum wage, and and there's a huge difference between uh, the the regulation and legalization of marijuana between the two states, and that's something to contend with. Uh, mm-hmm. There are there are so many details, um, and you know, to each to each one needs to be addressed. And and for people who can see the difference between you know what my you know payroll taxes will look like under Idaho, there's a lot of you know I would rather. Does Idaho
0: have an income tax?
1: They don't. Not not like Oregon. Um, They have sales tax. Mm-hmm. And as a, as a third generation Oregonian, every time I travel to a different state, there's a minor adjustment period for me and a little frustration, I'm like, no, this dollar $1.99, here's $2. What? does what, what this other seven cents here's Where's my you? penny? Yeah. yeah, exactly. yeah. So I, 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 you know, it'll be an adjustment for me when, when that happens. Um, but I can tell you that, you know, when I, when I take home more, uh, in my paycheck, that'll be pleasant. Um, when I'm able to, you know, build a house easier with less regulations, that'll be much nicer. Uh, with the economic opportunities that that would arise from a, a government who wants to see the deep water port out of Coos Bay uh, built up, um, you know, a better approach to to business and maybe, uh, you know, bringing jobs and a better use of the natural resources that we have here uh, would, would build up economies and build up communities rather than the kind of plateaued economic depression that that exists right now under Oregon's policies.
0: Yeah. Well, and the thing that you were talking about, about the deep water port, I mean, Idaho doesn't have any any experience with any kind of port, really. (laughs) And, you know, I mean, I, I can just foresee that being a huge you know, I mean, how do you just, okay, today we'll have a vote and next week you're going to be Idaho. And, you know, I, I just, it just seems like an overwhelming thing. Um,
1: I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that this is necessarily an, an overnight kind of flash from the pan idea. We're, we're very strategic about going, you know, county by county. And then also when we get to that kind of referendum of, okay, the border, you know, we're not going to switch the light and now tomorrow we're Idaho. Um, You know, we've seen examples like Brexit where it was kind of this ongoing negotiation and kind of, you know, slow kind of progression into it. Um, I can say that a lot of Idaho business leaders, uh, legislators are kind of anxious to see what would happen with that deep water port out of Coos Bay. And there's plenty of people in Southern Oregon who would also like to see that um, uh, mm-hmm. deep water port open up because right now everything has to funnel up through uh, the I five corridor and go through the port of Portland, uh, and that's you know driving that stuff all the way up to the northern part of the state. When you can just kind of cut across to the ocean right there, you know, mm-hmm. it, there's, there's a lot there. of a lot of uh, interest in having that occur, mm-hmm. especially with you know the things of like the Jordan Cove project as well, mm-hmm. the liquid natural gas.
0: I'm assuming that there would be an emphasis on um, farming and um, uh, there's a lot of national forests in that area. There's a lot of natural resources. Um, would there be an emphasis on preserving those or just utilizing them or how do you envision that? How does greater or Idaho envision that?
1: Well, we, part of our proposal uh, involves uh, some protection of, of forest land. A lot of the land that is in eastern and southern Oregon um, is is BLM land, Bureau of Land Management, and federal federal lands, federal forests. Um, there are also um, uh, reservations, tribal lands that we want to make sure that they have uh, a stake and interest at the table for all this. Um, you know, we are we are people that are the actual stewards that live among these natural resources and take care of them and maintain them, but we're given so many mandates from people who live in concrete jungles on how to take care of these uh, these natural resources and these natural spaces that you know we're kind of handcuffed and frustrated that when things like the the wildfires of last year happen, um, you know I don't want to say that they were preventable, but there were a lot of things that we could have done to manage the forest better, uh, better policies um, to not let those things happen. Uh, and we would like to be able to have more control of the land in which we live instead of being, you know, dictated to by people who, who either never visit or have any idea of what, what it's like.
0: One of the articles that I read that talked about greateridaho.org referred to someone saying that in Oregon, everybody assumes that all of the life and activity and the living is done around Portland area, but that they own the rest of the state for their playground. Yes. Have you heard that before?
1: Yes, that was um, our our, um, Honorable Senator Ron Wyden in a Jefferson County town hall saying that they won't, he will never give up Eastern Oregon for, for greater Idaho uh, because, you know, effectively this is his recreational place. This mm-hmm. is where, uh, you know, Oregon's love to hang out and visit and play. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, beyond what, you know, the, that kind of means to the people that live there, it, it's not well received. Uh, and it was ironic because he spoke in a Jefferson County town hall <laughs> which is one of the two counties that have already voted to approve um, our measure for for their county commissioners to take up the idea.
0: Well, I Talk about misreading the room.
1: Right. Um, and he's also a, a senator that that carried maybe two of these counties in eastern Oregon. Mm-hmm. Um, in Oregon, you can be elected to governor with only three of the counties in the state. Um, case in point, our current uh, governor. She's probably, I think she's only had Clackamas, Multnomah, and Washington County are the counties that, that she carried for her election. That's all you need to win in the state. Because of the are, population. Those are the population centers, right, or which, Lane County.
0: She yeah, which means that side. those three urban counties are the ones that get the representation.
1: Right, and they also have the the most, uh, state representatives and state senators per capita.
0: Yeah. We
1: used to have a situation where counties sent um, senators, uh, but then it changed to, um, for every two house representatives that are based on population, there's the upper chamber that that rules over those two yeah. um, house representative districts with a Senate district. So, We used to have a better representation there, but now it's all gone by by population.
0: You know, what you're describing always makes me nervous when people talk about getting rid of, usually it's, I I didn't hear it so much after this election, but certainly after the, the last election, there was a big brouhaha about, oh, we have to get rid of this electoral college. And I'm going, but wait a minute, that electoral college serves a purpose. And if you got rid of it, it would be, on the national level, exactly what you just described. On a state level, um, okay. it would just be based on who the population centers electing somebody. Um, so I don't know. That's that's my little my little personal screed. You mentioned that um, there are tribal lands in there. Have you approached the the tribes to see how they? I mean, obviously they're independent nations, but where they reside, you know, what what surrounds them is of great importance to them. So, have you approached the tribal lands and uh, leadership?
1: I, I can say that I've reached out to them. I'm waiting for a response, um, and I will continue to reach out to them. Uh, we have we've obviously received criticism, like you know, on Twitter and comments on articles about that, and that's definitely not the case. We want to, you know, make sure every stakeholder, every interested party, because this is this is a collaborative movement. This is a coalition. These are people who. At the end of the day, no matter what their party or affiliation or, or whatever kind of thing they are, they're rural Oregonians, and they have that rural spirit in common and need that rural spirit represented represented in uh, a state legislature. So I have reached out to uh, Umatilla and Warm Springs. Um, I've even reached out to the Nez Pierce in, in Idaho just to to get their comment on it. Um, there's no Is reason. It, do they
0: make that- a comment, the Nez Pierce?
1: no i haven't i haven't heard back um you know my my days are filled with reaching out to everybody and anything under the sun in these parts and Mm -hmm. um you know there's obviously a lot of stuff going on where negotiations are happening currently in salem for the session that exists currently going on right now so there's a lot of people just their their bandwidth is also taken up and so um you know i will continue to reach out i will continue to Ask either for their support or input, um, just their thoughts, I and mean, it's totally up to them as a sovereign nation if they want to be um, a part of, you know, wh- where they have their treaty with or their compact with. So um, there's no reason not to engage with them.
0: Mm-hmm. Before we took our our last break, I alluded to the fact that there might, that that Washington may have uh, uh, filled your heads with ideas because as you recall, uh, it hasn't been that many years ago that um, Eastern Washington and Eastern King County, the county wanted to secede and the Eastern part of the Washington state wanted to secede secede from Washington, but they wanted to create their own state. Mm -hmm. Um, As I recall, I could be wrong on this, but as I recall, um, we got the votes to send it to, I believe, the Secretary of State, and then that's where it was stopped. Now that might have been the county rather than the state. Um, are you familiar with that? I believe it was called Liberty, the State of Liberty?
1: Yeah, the, there's a, a State of Liberty movement um, that wanted to take eastern uh, Washington and create a new state. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a very similar um, movement called the State of Jefferson. That's some southern counties of Oregon and Georgia counties of California, and, and that sentiment has been going on since I can remember probably mm-hmm. before I was born. Um, my grandmother's from Klamath Falls. That's where she was born, so I grew up knowing a lot about the state of Jefferson. I had the state of Jefferson flag and everything. I uh, spent my summers down down in that area, so I'm familiar with that. Uh, I'm also familiar with the Cascadia movement. Um, my, my father... Uh, know found one of their Cascadia flag shirts and and purchased that unaware of what it meant (laughs) and (laughs) I told him and I informed him he was like what are you kidding me like uh so uh the Cascadia movement was was the the other secession of taking Oregon Washington and British Columbia out of the United States even uh is my understanding Uh, so this, this secession sentiment kind of rings loud in the Pacific Northwest on, on various levels. Mm Um, you know, our, our tempered measured constitutional movement of moving Oregon's border for greater Idaho is, is nothing new. It's not unprecedented. Uh, the last time the borders moved in Oregon was in 1958 between Oregon and Washington. Uh, it's not, it's not totally unheard of. Um, was it
0: this dramatic a movement though, or was it a much this, smaller?
1: This is, this would be the largest um, uh, land transfer um, in, in modern history. Um, mm-hmm. And it would create Idaho as the third largest state in the union. but they'd still be population wise smaller than what would be left over of Oregon, Northwest mm-hmm. Oregon. Yeah. So um, still very low density. And um, we have several, um, you know, Community leaders from uh, southern and eastern counties of Washington uh, reaching out to us, wanting to support us, wanting to be a part of this, and we are very welcoming to them. And they're they're you know remnants of the the state of liberty movement. Um, but you know when we're when we're kind of thinking about this pragmatically and practically, it's moving forward. But let's let's work on one state and one other state and moving that border first. And if we can surmount that obstacle, you know, that opens up the door to, uh, to counties in Washington and, and counties in California that want to join. There are also counties in Colorado that are trying to join Wyoming right now. There are counties between Virginia and West Virginia that want to transfer. Uh, West Virginia just sent Virginia a reminder saying, hey, you can still come anytime you want. Uh, between North and South Carolina, there was a, a movement of a few houses that went from one state to another. Yeah. I want to say a dozen or so but it's not it's not unheard of but the the movement of an, or the creation of a, a new state like the state of liberty or the state of jefferson or cascadia that is that is a whole nother ball of wax mm-hmm. we have uh you know congress right now washington dc has hr 51 which would make statehood um out of washington dc and if you support that sentiment, um, and you know, I, at the end of the day, I'm all about states' rights. If you support that sentiment, you're gonna walk past our movement by miles. We're not trying to add two new senators and a new representative. You know, we're not as extreme or as radical or as robust as creating a new state. We are a very tempered movement of just representation with a, a different state legislature.
0: We're going to have to take another break, but I still have lots of questions. So I'm Heather Stark. I'm your host on Valley Talk. And with me is Keaton Ems talking about the greater Idaho movement. And we're going to wrap up that discussion after this break. You're listening to Valley 104.9, your station for Valley Talk and information.
2: Join us for our weekly paranormal radio show, Northwest Phenomenon, each Sundays at 7 p.m. Have a story you'd like to share? Call our Northwest Phenom hotline 24 7 775-990-5151 or you can email me on my website onairmario.com all calls and emails are confidential listen on demand subscribe to our podcast itunes spotify stitcher google play search northwest phenomenon we'll see you sunday at 7 p.m right here on valley 104.9
0: Welcome back to Valley Talk. I'm Heather Stark with you having a wonderful discussion with Keaton Ems. Keaton is uh, from Clackamas County, Oregon. He's a Christmas tree grower, and he is also um, a a very knowledgeable and active member of the Greater Idaho Movement. Um, The Greater Idaho Movement seeks to add probably about half of Oregon, the southern half and the eastern half, to Idaho and move that. Um, Keaton, you said during our last segment that this is not an unheard of thing. I mean, it's unheard of for most of us and probably the size and uh, capacity that you're talking about is different. But the fact that states adjust their um, borders does happen. Um, and and um, that's, that's interesting because I don't think we think of it that way as being a fluid thing. When you are approaching this when you're talking to people about this what's the likelihood that that this is going to happen
1: that um that's that's the question of the day I, i love that one um it is it is without a doubt a long shot um but we won't know if we don't try yeah that's really what it comes down to it's an alternative option it's a Kind of a, a a second choice for the rural Oregonians of southern and, and eastern Oregon, um, you know, to have a, like you know to ha- be able to walk away from Salem with like a another you know deal to go by because it's you know for so long that they're they're just completely ignored and left you know from the table of negotiation in Salem for any sort of policies and and distributions of resources and all that stuff. Um, that this is this just gives kind of you know a hope not a false hope but very active um you know if we if we do it right if we go through the motions and we play our cards right and um are methodical about it we will keep going our our process uh is election by election you know getting counties. And and building momentum, we've overcome the inertia. We've got two counties approved. We have five counties voting on May 18th, and we have maybe seven or ten counties voting with, you know, with the ability to vote again in November. Uh, so w-
0: when counties vote on this, you just how do you do that? What's the procedure for that? Do you just put together some sort of petition and you put, get it on the ballot.
1: Exactly. Yep. In Oregon, we have a, um, a citizen's right to, to start a petition. So we only need to collect enough signatures um, of you know, a certain percent, either I, I can never remember. It's like two, six or 8% of the sign- of the registered voters of the last gubernatorial race. Uh, so if you think about it, some of these counties are 1500 people, 7,000 people, and, you know, even a smaller number than that are the registered voters. So to get something on the ballot, you only need two, three, 400 signatures. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, we go through the legal process of approaching the clerk, drafting up the, the proposal. Um, and what our measure does now, it just compels the county commissioners to meet twice a year and discuss the like the the idea of moving Oregon's border, so it's kind of a uh, a litmus test to see how you know approved these these counties are, and as we get kind of contiguous um, you know movement all across the the state, uh, we will then you know introduce legislation um, through you know our supportive representatives and and people who um, you know want this to to happen and, and get it. Either voted in the in the house, or put it to the to the people statewide.
0: It seems to me that even if it is a long shot that this actually would occur, um, basically you're putting your guns on the table. You know what I'm saying? Um, you're kind of saying, "Look at folks. You know, look, this is an issue. This is something that's serious. It's something that we take seriously." And even if this doesn't happen, this is something that could happen. Yeah,
1: that, so a, is that's it? A great, that's a great metaphor. The guns on the table. I mean, these are definitely people who um, uphold their, their Second Amendment rights, um, and they're also people who respect law and order. These are people that that you know not only like their guns but need them because they live in in areas that it takes you know hours for for law enforcement to respond. They're so dispersed that they're they're ruggedly independent. And, uh, you know, their, their guns are important to them. And, and Portland is trying to, and Salem is trying to kind of take away all aspects of the second amendment.
0: Well, uh, I was speaking more figuratively, I guess. Yeah, but,
1: but then, uh, and then also we are going about a very peaceful process. This is absolutely constitutional, democratic. You know, we're not burning down any uh, courthouses or, or stores or, or cities. You know, we're talking to people, we're getting them to, to sign petitions and uh, going about it, you know, in in the most respectful way. Mm
0: -hmm. Interesting analogy. Yeah. Yeah, Um, So I guess what I'm asking with my, my analogy is in my mind, I'm thinking maybe the greater Idaho movement is more of a, Hey folks, we're here. Pay attention to us movement.
1: Absolutely. That, that would be kind of the contingency of it. There's a lot of, you know, you can, if you don't support the whole move, you can at least support the idea that we're giving ourselves a second option to negotiate with strength Mm -hmm. uh, when we, when we approach Salem with our names. Uh, There, there are people, you know, in, in Oregon, you know, in Eastern Oregon to get to the capital of Idaho is a 50 minute drive to get to the capital of their own state in Oregon. It's an eight and a half hour drive Mm -hmm. to get to um, you know, a store, you know, it, it's a, it's a kind of a day trip kind of thing. So you know, we, we just, we're here to get, you know, representation with a government who understands that sort of lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And that's what we believe Boise would provide us.
0: Yeah. And I think that, you know, again, based from my experience, I think that's a really legitimate thing. Um, I know I'm pretty vocal about the fact that I get ticked off that every decision made in our state seems to be geared towards Seattle when there's a lot of us who are not in Seattle have no desire to be in Seattle and whose interests and and you know we're much much more um, apart from that than we are with them Um, and yet Seattle wins you know they always win so Uh, From that standpoint, I think, you know, yay, you go, (laughs) you know, you go, folks. Um, I don't know, you may, I don't know if you are familiar with American Farmland Trust, but they have a slogan that I like. It's very simple. And it says, no farms, no food. (laughs) And I think, you know. Yeah. And I think a lot of times people who are not involved with farming, but they're involved with going into their Amazon grocery store where they don't even have to encounter another human being and picking up their stuff. uh, They forget the fact that there are farmers out there and farmers have needs, farms have needs, and it's not always the same need that you have on your daily jog around Green Lake. Mm -hmm. Um, So, uh, you know, this kind of a movement, thrills me, quite honestly, because if for nothing else, it it brings attention to the fact that, you know, other lifestyles, other geographic areas need to be um, paid attention to. That's my particular prejudice. I have a question, though, Uh, you know, okay, so you're going to get the county petitions and you're going to get those things signed. And what if everybody goes, yes, sign us up for Idaho tomorrow? Then what?
1: Uh, we have, we have multiple, multiple routes. There's a lot that can happen. We can uh, you know, in, you know, implore the governor to start a commission. We can um, you know, push our, our representatives that live in these areas whose constituents have vocalized that they want this to happen, ask them to introduce this as a bill uh, to committee and have it voted on. It, it really comes down to if we make enough noise, and if there's a will, there's a way, um, you know, there's nothing stopping me from going to Portland and, uh, you know, starting a petition statewide to kick out these counties. That's that, you know, there's, there's that option. There's, uh, well,
0: okay, let's stop there because if that were the case, now, if I'm sitting in uh, the governor's mansion or anywhere on the governor's grounds or wherever in Portland Mm -hmm. And I see petitions coming up asking me to kick out three or four counties, maybe five counties. My first question is, what does that mean to me? And usually the second question is, what does that mean to me economically? Mm -hmm. So is that something realistic? Do you feel that the um, bulk of the population in those urban areas would answer that question of it doesn't mean anything to me, so they can go? Uh, or would they say, well, the, ah, that's uh-uh. that I'm going to lose my my trip to the, the National Forest if they do that. And I won't have that.
1: I, I mean, it's still it's still America and they can still come visit the forest. It's still going to be there if they want to visit. Uh, you know, sometimes I, you know, uh, I hate myself and I'll go and read the Twitter comments or, uh, the <laughs> Facebook, you know, uh, uh, commentary about it, and uh, you know, a lot of I feel like a lot of what I I read is like good riddance, let them go, why not? But there's also you know people you know who live in the urban that are like, yeah, why why would we want to keep them? There, what 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 good are they for us?
0: Um, oh, okay.
1: So I mean, in in some sense, you know, as much as they you know probably post that with some sort of animosity or or the uh, this towards me mm-hmm. it, or the movement, I should say. Um, you know, I, I, that's okay. I mean, that's fine. Uh, there's also the, like, no, we can't let you go. Like we own you. Like if you go, you're going to destroy the environment. You're going to, uh, you know, you burn, burn it all down and, and you know, pollute everything. Or there's the, the like, oh yeah, like that'll ever happen kind of mentality or the things that'll never hundred for never happen for a thousand dollars. It's just, you know, it's it, it is a very laughable movement, you know, at first at first glance, but you know, it is something that as we build more momentum, people are starting to take more seriously. And as we get more uh, more along with it, people the you know, the haters are gonna hate and we'll we'll get the backlash and people who say, No, this should never happen. But at least it, it kind of like drums up that there's a lot of disgruntled citizens out here that are unheard. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and, and honestly, I've got, you've got at least me rooting for you. I mean, I'm rooting for it. I really am. I, Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I to me, I see that urban-rural divide is so, so significant in both of our states. Um, so I'm, I'm rooting for it. I think it's time, you know, rural areas and, and the less than urban areas mm-hmm. receive as much attention, resources, and uh, consideration mm-hmm. as the urban areas. You know, as a matter of fact, I quite have my knickers in a knot over it. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. but,
1: <laughs> so, I mean, this isn't this isn't uh, necessarily a Republican or Democrat issue. This is a this is a, a representation issue for the priorities that these communities need, and yes. whether they're Democrat or Republican, uh, they have the commonality of the the rural, rugged, independent, uh, geographically distinct and isolated areas that they live in, and. That's really what binds us together, and if it's so important for Oregon to keep us, you know, uh, folded into them, then, you know, you need to listen to us. You need to, you know, offer us uh, uh, better options than what we're getting currently.
0: Yeah. Very interesting. So whether it's um, a a movement that will, in fact, create a new Idaho or whether it's a movement that will, in fact, hopefully create new attitudes with the decision makers, um, I'm all for it. I think it's a great idea. I think it's a grand idea. I wish you all the luck in the world. What timing are we talking about? You said that, that some elections would be, uh, obviously, you start at the county level, mm-hmm. uh, you vote, and then you mentioned that the next step would be to get the two governors together. Um, but are the feds, do they have something to say about this? And what kind of timing are we talking about? Is this something that are six years from now, I'm still going to be interviewing you? And I'll be, you know, bent over my soup with my cane in hand and seeing how the Greater Idaho movement's going.
1: You know, there. I I hope we can still talk. Maybe about something else. (laughs) Six years from now, Uh, but I think I think a a six-year, you know, being absolutely realistic about it, six to ten years. This is not something that should be taken lightly or just a flash in the pan um you know one one ditch effort and and then bust. This is if we're actually going to go do it, we're gonna do it right, we're gonna take our time, excuse me, and make sure that there is an absolute consensus uh and and real, you know, motive like real gusto behind it, because you know we also have to deal with the the legislative clock um in, in both states, Oregon and Idaho. Um there are issues with the way that, uh, you know, the timing of, of how the citizens in Idaho can vote to change constitutional amendments and all that stuff. So we're, we're definitely working on on you know, government clock and uh, seasons of campaigning and all that stuff, uh, seasons of special elections. So it, it would, it, it, you know, my goal is it 10 years or less. That's really what it comes down to. Um, If I was going to to put a number on it, Um, Okay.
0: I'll write it on my calendar.
1: Yeah. I mean, but it's, you know, (laughs) call
0: Keaton in 10 10 years.
1: years. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's the, you know, I might not get there with you, but, you know, I I could see it kind of thing. So,
0: or maybe I should put down call Governor M's. Yeah. Yeah, Keaton, maybe. It's been delightful to talk to you and to learn about the Greater Idaho Organization. If somebody wants to learn more, where can they go? can
1: go to greateridaho.org um we have a a a website that has plenty of our proposal maps um information frequently asked questions uh you know if you find it in your heart to donate to keep this movement going we would greatly appreciate that that's also there at greateridaho.org
0: Okay. Thank you so much, Keaton. I will keep my eyes peeled and, and listen to everything that I hear. And maybe as we go along, especially if it really takes off, you'd be able to find the time to come back and give us an update in a few months.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: You're welcome. Thank you for coming. And thank you for listening to Valley Talk right here on Valley 104.9 FM. Join us on Tuesday evenings and Sunday evenings right here on 104.9 FM.
1: Don't you love everybody in your community? The coyotes and the rattlesnakes? The ravens and the vultures? and Whatever strange apparitions haunt the night? If you like your tales served up weird, tune in every Sunday night at 8 p.m. for a double shot of Desert Oracle Radio. Right here on Valley 104.9. Desert Oracle Radio. The voice of the desert.